The Athletic. Benzema couldn't resist. Blocked by Xhaka. Hit by Pogba! Oh, that is special. And he knows it. Look, 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 man, I'm the one they all fear. I was the man of the year last year. Now I'm the man of the year for the second year straight. Like, nobody don't compare. Whacking it for us. As he could, but the wind blows it back and Pogba! What a stunning goal! I put my seat on my shoulders. You ain't cold, I'm cold, I'm the coldest. Got my Adidas crepes from my knee, go top, you can't get this yet, man, I'm joking. This is Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast from The Athletic on the pod today. We're going to talk about Paul Pogba a lot because we need to answer the question, what happens next with his contract still unsigned? And his future still in question after a really brilliant international break for the Manchester United midfielder as well. We're going to preview Leicester and find out if they're as worried about us as we seem to be about them with no central defence ahead of the weekend. And we'll also pay a mention to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and his policy of rotating Cristiano Ronaldo, which may not happen this weekend. The Athletics' Laurie Whitwell is with us. Hello, Laurie. How are you doing? I'm all right, mate. You okay? Yep, very good, thank you. And of, of course, as well, Andy Mitter was as well, editor of United We Stand. Andy, you all right? All good, mate. Looking forward to the Leicester game at the weekend. I've missed watching United in the international break. Yeah, we might be watching it through the gaps in our fingers, maybe. But we'll talk about the Leicester game in a little while, won't we? Uh, first, we need to talk about a very interesting article, Andy, that you've written this week about Paul Pogba. And I think it sums it up quite nicely to say Pogba's reign at Old Trafford has created a lot of questions and this is probably the biggest of them all. What happens next? You've tried to answer it. Yeah, and the reaction's been really interesting. I spoke to people on all sides, so from the Manchester United side, from, from Paul's side as well. And they've all got different perspectives and different views, and they're absolutely entitled to, to have their positions. Uh, United fans seem completely divided on Paul Pogba, um, not just as a player, but whether he's worth keeping on. And as I discussed in the article, there's a very good offer there for him. Uh, it would make him one of the best paid footballers in the world. Is he worth that? Well, we can debate that. I'm sure Laurie and yourself have got different views on that. And in January, which is only 10 weeks away, he can start pre-contract talks with another club if he wants to leave Manchester United. So many different views on this. There's two I'll just mention because I, I know you're going to talk about it more. Were United wrong not to offer him a contract two years before the end? Because I spoke to one agent who said, Man United have got this monumentally wrong. And I pushed back and said, I don't think they did. Because at that time, Pogba had scored one goal. Uh, he hadn't had a good season. He'd had a lot of injuries. United were still reeling from the uh, overpaying of wages of players like Alexis Sanchez and I don't recall anybody saying now's the time to tie Paul Pogba to a long-term contract. That, however, created a situation where Paul Pogba now feels that he's at liberty to take his time and decide his own future, which he is. And he's also seen David De Gea wait his own contract out. The end result there was that David De Gea is now the best-paid goalkeeper in the world, best-paid Spanish footballer in the world. So it can have positive consequences and Paul Pogba can make a decision. One agent said to me, there are not a lot of clubs who could afford to pay for Paul Pogba if a transfer fee is involved, but there are a lot of clubs who could afford a free Paul Pogba, and that includes his astronomical wages and astronomical agent's fee. 
He likes playing at United at the moment. He's enjoying his football. He likes the fact that Ronaldo's joined the club. He's been amenable to signing a contract throughout the whole of this year. I've said that, but then Manchester United might say, well, of course he's amenable, but the offer that he would expect is an absolutely astronomical one. United's view is that they've made him an exceptionally good contract offer. And United fans, and I don't know what you two think, are basically saying, is he worth that offer? Laurie, is he worth it? It comes down to an equation, doesn't it, where you think of what it would take to replace him. And at present, it would take a lot more to replace him and the wages that that would uh, come with 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 a certain player um, than it would be to retain Paul Pogba for, yeah, obviously very big wages. You know, we're talking £400,000 a week, which would surpass David De Gea be a bit under Cristiano Ronaldo. It's within United structure. You know, they've got a good wage to turnover ratio. It's sort of like 60%, which is actually higher than it has been in, in, in previous seasons, actually. You know, you've got room in the in the, in the the wage structure. You know, Juan Mata is there on, on quite a bit of money. Um, you know, you expect him to leave at the end of the season, for example. So I would say he is worth the money because you look at what he can do and no other player in United squad can do what he can do on the pitch. You know, he's got seven assists already. I know he's perhaps slowed down a little bit um, since the start of the season, but those passes that he makes from deep the link up that he has around the edge of the box the strikes that he can produce you know we've seen for United and for France okay not on a regular basis for United but I think he adds um, an element of stardust certainly last season you know you, you look away at Fulham in terms of the goal that he scored there that was a, a crucial winning goal he brings a, an extra dimension to United's formation now obviously where does he play <laughs> you, you know Solskjaer tried him again in sort of deep midfield although I think he had a bit more of a licence against Villarreal and Villarreal managed to pick United off on the counter-attack does he play in that left-hand position where he's looked very good I mean, it's congested over there, isn't it? So that would be a difficult one to sort of balance out with. But I just feel like he is a sort of special player. You know, he's shown again for France during this international break that he he has those qualities at a very elite level. You know, United don't have an abundance of midfielders that are at that top, top level, and he is. Obviously, you just want him to be harmonious within the squad and he is you know you want him to be respectful of Solskjaer and he is I think he needs to have something that he's building towards we've always seen that with France for example that he's always he's always had that silverware right in front of him that he can he can produce his best performances for now on the flip side you might say well you should be doing that in the in the dark days of a club you know you should be able to lead your team through those difficult moments but he's not a Roy Keane character he's he's you know Paul Pogba is a different person and I think he needs something tangible to be working towards and that's that's how it felt with at the start of the season with Cristiano Ronaldo joining and United looking really good obviously it's had a bit of a dip now so I do feel like his mentality will be dependent upon where United are in the table and what they're looking towards to do at the end of the season. I think my issue with Pogba is the fact that we're, we're five years in now, aren't we? And we're still sort of talking about what position he's going to play, about sort of creating the right environment for him. I think we talked at the start of the season about who's the player to unlock Pogba. I've heard that so many times over the course of the last few years as well. Is that sort of the issue, Andy, that even after all this time and, and all the success that he's had, including, of course, this week with France in the Nations League, it's still not quite right at United, almost. It's not quite right, and that became really apparent to me sat in Munich during the Euros when he played the best ball I've seen this calendar year to set up France to go ahead against Germany. And the day after that, I was asked to write a piece, the gist being, why is he so good for France and not as good for Manchester United? And again, I did my job, I spoke to people, and... There were some obvious lines that France have got better footballers than Manchester United. You might argue now that United's squad contains 
a lot of world-class players, of which he's he's one of them. Which supposedly Pogba's been waiting for as well. So and, and he's got and, he, time, and he's happy yeah? about that. I was also yeah. told he likes to play in a more advanced position. As Laurie said, no issues at all with him as a professional. He's completely polite. Even last week, when he was asked in Italy about Juventus, he responded out of politeness and respect for his former club. That's what I was told. That was soon spun into um, Paul Pogba flirting with Juventus. Come and get me, please. Yeah. I-, I was told that was not the case, um, that Juventus were great when he was there. They were great when he went back there in 2018 as a, a Manchester United player. But he's such news. You know, you can just see people talking about him. People have got such entrenched positions. And I find myself agreeing with both sides. I really do. I can yeah, see there's really strong sides yeah. to, to the argument. Yeah. I, I, I would like him to stay. I'm like, Laurie, uh, he can do things that the other midfielders can do. He can get the ball. His feet are so good in those tight positions that no other midfielder can do that. Uh, on his day, he, he, he is a world-class player. He's certainly considered a world-class player globally. Commercially, he doesn't touch um, Cristiano Ronaldo. Nobody does. Nobody comes close to him. Nobody's even 10% of, of Cristiano Ronaldo. But what's the alternative? Go out and buy a player with all the attributed transfer costs. Then again, flip it back the other way. Paul Pogba's stock is not as high as it was when he first joined Manchester United. Madrid aren't going to sign him. He wanted to go to Real Madrid. He wanted to go to Barcelona more than Real Madrid. And Barca just said, and this is in 2016, we, we, we can't afford you. And then Madrid, who could afford him, um, thought they were making good progress. And the way United got him was quite clever. United went to him and said, you've been linked with Madrid has created this many social media interactions. You being linked with Manchester United has created seven times as many. If you join Real Madrid, great, good luck to you. You'll be the number five star there. If you come back home to Manchester United, you'll be the talisman. We'll build a team around you. And Pogba went for that. Clearly, United can compete on a salary level as well. But that quite hasn't happened. He he, he hasn't been the talisman. Maybe because he's not a talisman. He isn't Roy Keane. He, he's not Brian Robson. He never will be. But I, I don't... I've heard any negatives about him in the dressing room. He became a really important character in the dressing room. The only negative I heard was that the uncertainty about his future was not a good thing. But that was like um, a year ago. And a lot of the younger players really looked up to him. And after Wayne Rooney left and after Zlatan Ibrahimovic um, left, Paul Pogba became the main man in that dressing room. You said before, Andy, about... He always creates this, doesn't he? No matter what happens, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's somewhere in between, he always creates debate. He he seems to divide opinion. And like you said before as well, sometimes you can find yourself on both sides of that divide as well and find yourself agreeing or disagreeing with both sides. The amount of comments already on your article that's not been on The Athletic that long shows exactly just how strong the opinions are when it comes to Paul Pogba. Uh, I'll just give you a flavour now. PD says, might be time to stop asking the will Pogba be world-class question now. He's superb, but let's just enjoy what he brings to the table rather than what we think he should achieve, which is sort of a theme of, of our conversation so far. goes on to say, 
I'll definitely miss him if he leaves, but it's unlikely to change much in United's system under Ali. Whatever he chooses, I wish him the best. Paul G, he definitely has his qualities, but I don't see what role he fulfills long-term. When he plays in a midfield too, we get overrun. We don't exactly need him as a left winger, especially with Rashford coming back. But on those wages, he'd be virtually undroppable. No matter what the point is, Laurie, it's almost hard to disagree with it because you sort of can see both sides to this debate. And... He reminds me a bit of Juan Sebastian Veron, in a sense, that he's, there's un, no doubt about his quality whatsoever, at, at all. And at international level, and obviously at, at previous clubs, he's shown exactly what he can do. At times at Manchester United, he's shown exactly what he can do. But it, it it's just not quite right. I go back to that point again. It's still not quite there with Pogba, is it? Yeah, you make a really good point um, in terms of you know poor Pogba they bought for a world record fee at the time, and it didn't really seem like they had a an actual plan on the pitch for him. They might have had a plan, as Andy alludes to, uh, on the social media side of things. But in terms of the actual pitch, he sort of he has shuffled around quite a lot. Which you think, if he's your main guy, he's still being shuffled. He's still around being shuffled now. around. I mean, I know. Listen, I know the best players. You know, Kevin De Bruyne. You know, gets shuffled around by Pep sometimes. You know, false nine or whatever. But he predominantly has a position in that team, uh, and he you know he knows what he's doing in the system. Pogba's sort of keeps on being asked to do slightly different things and that's probably because he can do lots of different things I mean you know the stature of him makes you think he can win aerial balls or he can um, put tackles in um, obviously he's got incredible technique so you think he's, he's a sort of master of all trades but it feels like he, he falls between a few stools at times those comments both you know spot on really I can't really argue with either of them even though I've already said I think he is worth you know that, that kind of wage um, but I, I change my mind I have changed my mind quite frequently on this I've been extremely <laughs> frustrated with him in the past um, you know years or whatever you know when Jose Mourinho left I also felt that that Paul Popper contributed to a an atmosphere where you know there was a, a perhaps a lethargy around the place um, was there that full commitment we were new stories at the time that he had been interested in going to Barcelona even back then so then you hear about what a good character is around the place you know he will often for example um, you know, there might be a media guy that says, oh, can you do this interview for us last minute? And it's like, he's been, you know, somebody else has perhaps dropped out and, and he's gone, yeah, no problem. And he, he's a very personable guy. He's very he's well He's a great liked. interview as well, isn't yeah, he? So you, yeah, I've you always, the sort of like, Paul's coming now. Paul will be here <laughs> in two minutes. Then he gets there and he's just really nice. He's, he's sort of like, he's built up to be this sort of, not monster, because that, that is really unfair, but he's built up to sort of be someone that you might have to sort of tread carefully yeah. on. And stuff uh, like uh, yeah, that. a prima donna or polite. whatever. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's nothing but nice, really, to be honest, and very polite and interesting and engaging and all the things you'd want him to be, really. Well, he's got his, his background's really fascinating, and I mean, yeah, obviously, sometimes when he's doing his dancing, has when he when he was doing his dancing when he was injured, you're looking at that going frustrated, thinking, you know, get back to Carrington, please. <laughs> but at the same time, he's playing basketball, somewhere playing basketball. Or yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I know that frustrated people. I think when they were looking at thinking, we'd love to have your recuperation in house. You know, he does his own thing with his medical team, which some players do. You know, because they they have their own ways of doing things. Um, but he, but it was only really because he thought that was the best way to yeah. get a bit back fit for yeah. United, wasn't it? Really, it was just his own view. Whether that contrasted with views at the club at the time, yeah, he still had the right intentions, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. And yeah, while it might have looked bad, I think it also speaks to his personality. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I think all all power to that. We're often you know, sort of complaining about footballers being, you know, off a conveyor belt and, and too manufactured. And actually, Paul Pogba's pretty unique. He is, he is who he is and he's not afraid to show it. Um, so I, I kind of quite, 
I like that side to him. Um, but yeah, so if, what what have been your experiences with him then, Ian? I mean, it's, I'm interested because I've never had a one-to-one with him. So I'm interested in your kind of thoughts on it all. Well, I interviewed him when he first arrived. Um, he was one of the first ones that he did. United put him up pretty quickly, um, as you'd expect for the world's most expensive player. He just seemed like an excited schoolboy, I'll be honest, back then. He, he seemed really genuinely happy to be back in Manchester. He didn't seem like he was saying... What he had to say, he was saying what he really thought. Um, he, he seemed engaged with with the task ahead. Uh, around that sort of time, obviously, um, Ibrahimovic had joined, Mkhitaryan had joined as well. Jose had just joined. There was a real sort of buzz around the club at that point uh, and a feeling that they were going to get back on track and, and get back to winning things, which ultimately they did in that, in that season uh, with the Europa League. And the League Cup as well. There was sort of a box office feel about the team that he seemed to engage with. Similar to now in some ways, I suppose, or similar to a few weeks ago when Ronaldo joined and and Varane and Sancho joined, a sense of excitement. But always polite, never a problem, always on time. You know, all, all the things that you sort of would want from him, really. And I think I said a few weeks ago about Zlatan being built up to be like waiting for the quote, almost, you know, waiting for the line. And, and Pogba's not really sort of known for that. But actually, if you sit and listen to him and, and, and chat to him about football, it, it, incredibly interesting and engaging, like I say, someone who you would sit and listen to and measured in what he says as well. And, and smart. He's a smart guy. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. You can't build the profile that he's built on talent alone. You have to also be smart in the way that you do it. And he's positioned himself in a certain way he's been smart with that he's surrounded himself with people who can do that as well um, Andy I think going back to the comments something to sum it up quite nicely <laughs> Paul let him go it hasn't worked and will never work now paying him 400,000 a week after a wildly inconsistent five years is madness and on the complete flip side Vishal get out while you can Paul and you find myself agreeing with, with both comments again I'm so <laughs> conflicted on it and yeah. agreed with with everything you said and he's smart as you said he was probably right to leave United in 2012 Sir Alex Ferguson isn't the only person and the master of everyone's future he went to Juventus he called it right he's smart his agent uh, has always got the back of his players and that upsets fans of clubs because they've got the back of their clubs rather than individuals when I saw him walk out with blue air in the Manchester derby I thought what on earth's going here but then he was absolutely brilliant in the <laughs> yeah, game which, which matters more I think he divides United fans on age as well younger fans tend to love him tend to like his dancing around and and I don't have any issue with that he's not going out and drinking 12 pints he's dancing it's it's not that 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 bigger a deal he's, he's a family man I get confused when he doesn't mention that he's a Manchester United player on his online uh, bios. The relationship with United fans can be conflicted at the matches. There's not an obvious song for Paul Pogba in 2018. uh, Laurie's right. I think he did contribute to the the negativity around the club. And I was told at the start of December 18, they'll get rid of the manager and they wish they could get rid of Paul Pogba. But it's easier to sack a manager than it is to sack a, a player. But... I remember going to Cardiff and I put this in the piece for Ollie's first game and I don't think Pogba's stock was lower than that day. Really was. We've got rid of Mourinho. Let's get rid of this person out of the club now. But performances and goals can change everything. The following season he scored 16 goals and he was really important for Manchester United. And to be fair to him, even before his big injury, he was turning out most weeks. So the argument put against Ander Herrera when he asked for a huge amount of money was... Wait a minute, Ander, 
If we add up all your performances and those of Juan Matas, they still don't equal the number of games that Paul Pogba's playing. And this was not Matter now, this was Matter three or four years ago. So we could probably have a hundred different arguments here about Paul Pogba for and against. And I, I might find myself agreeing with 90 of them. I agree. Yeah. One of the notes um, is about, you know, if, if Pogba left and a defensive midfielder came in who was perfect for what United need right now. Would you take that? And, and part of me thinks yes, and the other part of me would be really sad to see him go because it, it feels unfulfilled. Still, I'll go back to it again. It doesn't feel quite right, but that's because it feels unfulfilled. Going back to what you were saying about when he first came, about this vision that Manchester United sold him, about building a team around him, about being the talisman. Sort of still waiting for that in a sense. But then the other part of me thinks, well, we shouldn't wait for that because we know the answer to that now. You know, he he's not the team. He's not the player to build the team around necessarily, but his talents are of a level that you want to indulge him, you want to harness it, you want to play him in a role that's going to get the best out of him because we've seen he can produce match-winning moments, just maybe not as consistently as, as some of the others. For me, Bruno, not sort of push Pogba aside, but Bruno came in and almost overnight changed the feeling around the club, changed the way that the team played. You were hearing stories instantly about the demands on his teammates, leading by example, but also dishing out bollockings here and there which I, I thought was really encouraging it felt like there wasn't enough of that in United team at that point that's sort of what I thought Pogba would do but then again maybe it's unfair for me to think that and then to still hold him to account for that five years later Laurie yeah I mean it is a contradiction isn't it that you know do you want a guy to be everything or can, can he just be himself and clearly Pogba's not Bruno Bruno is high demand of himself and ev- of everybody else. I think Pogba probably just accepts that some people are of a certain level, <laughs> you know, maybe, and yeah. and, and kind of... But then, then again, you sort of watch Bruno for Portugal, watch him in a major tournament over the summer, watch him in the, in the qualifiers, you know. He's sort of decoration to that Portugal team, whereas you watch Pogba for France, he almost is the French team. You know, there's clips of him going around on social media this week, giving out the team talk at half-time in the Nations League final. We've seen the stuff after France won the World Cup as well. I mean, he he is sort of the one of the main components of the world champions at international level that's not questioned at all I think he does do stuff like that for United but I guess the difference you know the reporting of Bruno Fernandes was because he was new and because it was like a rocket fuel to the to the setup at United at that point you know United were were looking desperate in terms of creativity in terms of forward momentum Pogba was out injured at the time obviously and Bruno came in and, and lit the fuse and so people wanted to report about that and ask questions oh what's Bruno saying what's what's he doing and, and, and he was quite forthcoming in himself you know in, in talking about that he's obviously got a quite a funny social media presence as well where he, he picks on players a little bit you know in a, in a jovial way in a kind of quite a nice way yeah I think that's probably the difference there but I think you're right in terms of talking about Pogba perhaps feeling a little bit sidelined when Bruno Fernandes came in and that goes back to Andy's earlier point about that contract that that, that summer could have been offered you know, and there was an idea that Pogba felt a little bit um, nonplussed at the fact that there was no new contract at that point. Now, obviously, the context being his agent had publicly said it was over for him and Man United, you know, a few months beforehand, and, and he'd previously this, the summer beforehand said um, that he, you know, fancied a, a new challenge. So I think United's perspective was well, okay, would we have offered you a contract and? We would have, we might have offered you a contract if we thought you, there was any chance of you signing it, basically. So, but I, I do think that Bruno Fernandez dynamic is really interesting amid all this because he is he's that number ten that Paul Pogba really. I know was that the position for him. You know, I know it's probably you're probably thinking as a, you know, I don't know. We're going back to this, aren't we? But 
is it is he uh, is he a number eight? You know, bombing up and down, or is he a number? Could he just sit around the, the number ten situation? Um, I don't know. I mean, and obviously we we touched on it last week, didn't we? But you know, France had him in a, a midfield two with a, a three three four three. So um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's one to explore. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like we could do this all day and we probably will do on another day. But if you want to know more about the situation with Paul Pogba, I urge you to go and read Andy's article on The Athletic at the moment. If you're not a subscriber, it's a good reason to go and do that as well. You can still get a 33% discount off a subscription. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod, even if you just want to read the article on Paul Pogba. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Yes, after two long weeks watching Manchester United players doing all right on international duty, we finally have a Premier League game to look forward to again as Manchester United travel to Leicester on Saturday. Now, we can tell you all about the United perspective ahead of that game, but we thought it might be quite interesting on Talk of the Devils to do something different and get a preview to the match from the Leicester perspective. I'm delighted to say we're joined now by Rob Tanner, the athletic correspondent for Leicester. Rob, thank you for joining us. Hi, Ian. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. So uh, Manchester United fans are maybe a little bit apprehensive about the weekend, but Leicester fans should be as well, shouldn't they? One win in seven for them. It's sort of been a bit disastrous start quietly, hasn't it? Oh, it has. I mean, considering the last few seasons, they've uh, come out of the traps really, really sharply. Uh, this season, it's been uh, the reverse. Um, they've been really slow out of the blocks. A lot of injuries, again, injuries carried over from last season. Losing Wesley Fofana in the last pre-season game against Villarreal was a massive blow. Uh, and there just seems to be some sort of hangover as well from the fact that for the second season running, they dropped out of the Champions League spots on the, the final week of the season. So they're struggling to get themselves going again this season. Yeah, it wasn't Manchester United's fault last time, was it? It was only the first time, to be fair. We might reflect on that game because uh, it was a it was a crazy game in some ways considering the impact that that result had and... Uh, the way it went for Leicester. What what has gone wrong then, Rob? Is it is it just a case of, of, of what you've explained or, you know, I guess injuries are a good reason considering that the players that have been missing. I think the injuries are a major factor, not just the injuries they've picked up this season, but the ones from last season that's still hanging over into this season. The likes of Harvey Barnes, James Madison, you know, these guys have picked up injuries that really curtailed their seasons when they were really flourishing last season. Uh, Ricardo Pereira is another one. And they, um, they're just struggling to get back up to 100% and confidence seems to have been damaged a little bit. But I think the biggest concern for, for Brendan is defensively. The injuries there, he, he, I mean, they, they always look like they're going to ship goals. They've kept one clean sheet in the league, one in the Caribou Cup, incidentally, when Johnny Evans played. And that's a major factor. Johnny, obviously, the United fans will know very, very well, uh, is such a huge influence uh, on the team. I mean, Brendan says it himself. Whenever he plays, the other defenders around him look better players. And in his absence, they brought in um, Ryan Bertrand and Yannick Vestergaard, two of the uh, Southampton back four that shipped nine goals against Leicester a couple of years ago. And they've struggled to settle. Uh, Vestergaard, for me, I mean, I've had this little debate with Brendan personally. I don't think he fits the profile. Normally, they, uh, they like Defenders like Sunsu, Fafana, young, athletic, that can press into midfield because Brendan likes to play a high line and squeeze the game. 
Um, and he doesn't look comfortable at all doing that. He's, you know, very much like a Claudio Ranieri from 2016 defender. Ball coming in the box, he'll head it away, he'll kick it away. He's pretty good on the ball. But when he's one-on-one, when he's having to defend space, he looks like to me that he, he struggles there. And, and Bertrand as well also looks like he's struggling to get up to speed. So they've got a real problem in that back four at the moment. And uh, Brendan's supposed to have spent... Uh, the international break, trying to come up with a solution, whether that be a change of system, you might see back three against United if Evans is fit from this uh, plantar fasciitis uh, injury that uh, has been plaguing him. An injury that has no cure. Ultimately, he might need surgery. It's an inflammation of the tendon in his foot and uh, it causes a lot of pain. So there's a lot of problems, a lot of things for Brendan to think about. What you're doing right now, Rob, is you're making Manchester United fans feel much better about <laughs> going to Leicester this weekend because all anyone seems to be talking about is the fact that probably Varane and Maguire are going to both be missing for this game. We've got no idea who's going to play centre-half. Mm. So actually, it's quite reassuring to know that Leicester have got no idea who's going to play centre-half either. No, and this has been going on for a while as well. I mean, the injuries... I mean. I mean, Laurie will know from uh, his time covering the Midlands, Leicester used to have a reputation for having all players available most of the time. They had a fantastic injury record. But the last couple of years, whether that is the demands of COVID, the, you know, the condensed fixture schedule, now playing Europa League football as well, the injuries just keep coming and coming and coming. It's just like, you know, it's like Deontay Wilder on the ropes and Fury's throwing the punches. They, the punches keep coming for Brendan Rodgers at the moment in terms of the injuries and and, then, and trying to figure out uh, the, the reason why. But, I mean, some of them are just totally unavoidable. The Wesley for final one was a terrible tackle and ACL for James Justin and, and Ricardo Pereira. Um, but yeah, he, he's got to try and juggle uh, what he's got available and try and come up with a solution for Saturday. Otherwise, United can guarantee they'll get one or two. On the flip side, Rob, um, someone I know well from obviously covering the Midlands, Jamie Vardy, he seems to be still banging in the goals. I mean, 34 now, and he's still, you know, Premier League top scorer. Has Vardy changed his game much? I mean, I noticed the the highlights against Burnley and his finishing seemed supreme, which I think is perhaps underrated. You know, it used to be that he would just tear through people. I remember after the 5-3, the famous 5-3 that that provoked Louis van Gaal to change his whole sort of philosophy on United's uh, attacking approach. And and Vardy described himself in an interview with us as as just a pest, you know, just used to hassle people. He obviously still does do that, but I think, has he sort of adapted his game a little bit? Yeah, he's had to as he's got a little bit older. I mean, it'd be interesting if Kletchi and Nacho wish we expect and will play alongside him because he, he will play a slightly different role. He still plays on the shoulder of the last guy. He doesn't run like a heron across the back four to close people down like he used to. He does conserve his energy. I mean, he never used to have the highest numbers in terms of touches in a game, even back in 15, 16, but he's having even less now. But when he does affect the game, when he is involved, uh, it is really clinical. I mean, six goals in seven Premier League games again this season. And you're right, 34 years old, he shouldn't be doing that at this level. He's a freak of nature, this guy. I mean, the summer, well, whilst others were off working with personal trainers and getting themselves ready for the new season, he was on the sofa drinking beers and watching the Euros. And, you know, it's just a bit of downtime. That's what he needs. And he's being managed superbly by Brendan, but he is still the talisman. I mean, they brought in Pats and Dacca and, and the fans are going, why haven't we seen more of Pats and Dacca? Well, we haven't seen Pats and Dacca because Jamie Vardy is still bang on form. Um, and Kletch Giannaccio, uh, he's, he's, he's had his chances limited at the moment. He's, I mean, he's fantastic ended last season. Um, he's only made the one start in the league, but he's affecting games whenever he comes in as well. It could be on Saturday that Leicester's best form of defence is attack with those two, if he can play them together, and that would mean a change of shape. But Vardy's just phenomenal. I mean, you, you look at him and he's still so lean. And I mean, he, you look at his lifestyle, 
uh, early in his career and, you know, the dripping sandwiches at the service stations on the way to training in non-league and, and stuff like that. I'm glad you guys know what dripping sandwiches are. Nobody's asked. When I did this with uh, Adam Laventhal, he, he was going, what's that? <laughs> I said, it's a Northern thing. And uh, so, you know, his lifestyle then was very, um, very different now. And, it's, and he is quite a model pro. I mean, he's, instead of going out nightclubbing now, he spends his time tending his allotment and growing broad beans and, uh, things like that. So he's a very chilled guy now, family guy. But Jamie Vardy has an allotment. Oh, he's got an enormous garden uh, at his house in Lincolnshire. And uh, Stu James, our colleague Stu James, went out to to, to visit him, and uh, he basically took him around his allotment and basically telling him all about the veggies that he's growing and the chilies and. Oh yeah, I mean that's the thing about Jamie Vardy when he throws himself into something, he throws it in, himself in totally. So yeah, he's, he's uh, Adam Titmarsh of, uh, of football, the Premier League at the moment. So uh, you need to know anything about growing marrows? Jamie Vardy's your man. Uh, hi Rob, when I when I look at Leicester, I see a brand new training ground which looks fantastic. Plans to expand the stadium. You already give Manchester United fans the biggest uh, away allocation of the season and there's been some really important games between the two clubs in recent years. The game at the end of the season where Manchester United confirmed Champions League. Leicester obviously knocked United out of, uh, of the FA Cup on the way to, to winning uh, that, that trophy. Do you sense a club um, is in a good place, continuing to build... Uh, to expand the revenues so that you don't need to sell Harry Maguire in the future. You, and it was going back before you got promoted, half of your first team were driving in from Manchester every day. They used to have a van with a bed in the back and they used to drive over, over the Peak Districts and clearly that's not the best way to run a top, top level football club. Is this gradually moving towards Leicester being... I wouldn't say a super club, but somewhere in between. Well, they're still very, very ambitious. I mean, considering the pandemic and the financial impacts of that, I mean, you consider the owners, their main business in, is in tourism and there's not a business that's been more affected uh, from COVID than that. But they've still been pressing ahead. I mean, you, you're right. The training ground is just amazing. I mean, the level of detail, um, the fact that we know there's 89 great crested newts down there and we know this because they go at night and count them. Um, it's an incredible place, uh, but that costs £100 million. Is that Jamie Vardy's <laughs> other hobby, is it? Well, I bet he's down there because they've got a herb garden. I bet he's been tending that. And... Um, yeah, and, and they've obviously got the massive... I mean, the, the plans for the stadium isn't just to extend the stand. It is a whole area uh, that, that they're putting hotel in there. There's an indoor arena. Um, they're, they're having an avenue like Wembley Way up to the ground, lots of bars and restaurants. It, it is a very ambitious uh, idea that reflects the ambitions of the owners. But be under no doubt, they've still got a huge way to go um, to close the gap off the field with the likes of United. I mean, these are, got, these are global brands. They can draw on fan bases around the world. Leicester are still fledglings in that regard, although that obviously that, that they've it's increased a lot since um, the title winning season when, you know, we used to get phone calls from American radio stations and they couldn't even say Leicester. They used to call it Leicester. Um, so people know it's Leicester now, no Leicester City. Um, so they've come a long way in that regard, but there's still a long way. I mean, this was the first summer that they haven't had to sell one of their prized assets. Um, but, I mean, they've done very well out of it. Let's make no bones about it. When you think, um, can say, Drinkwater, Mares, uh, Maguire and Chilwell, they recruited all of them for £25 million. They've sold them for £250, uh, £250 million, and most of that's gone to Chelsea as well. Most of those players have gone to Chelsea, and they haven't got probably the best deal out of some of those. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a really five, six years of, of real progress for the club, but there's still... A long, long way to go. And I wouldn't say that 
they're in a position now where they can um, comfortably hold on to key players. If somebody wanted a Harvey Barnes, they'll have to pay through the teeth for it. But um, I think Leicester are not the sort of club that will be seen as a dead end for players coming in. The likes of Yuri Tielemans perhaps might want to see if the grass is greener elsewhere and get Champions League football. And obviously with the way things have gone the last couple of years, Leicester can't guarantee him that. So he might want to look uh, further afield, but um, they'll they'll have plans in place to replace him though. Just finally, Rob, to bring it back to the game this weekend then. Um, we had said at the top about Manchester United fans being a little bit apprehensive about the game. How are Leicester fans feeling about this Manchester United team coming to, to Leicester, Cristiano Ronaldo and co in town again. Are they looking forward to it or is there a bit of apprehension on your side as well? A bit of apprehension because of the injuries and everything that's the slow start this season. But I think there's a real buzz about the fact that Ronaldo's coming. I mean, the fact that how many people have asked me for if I can get tickets <laughs> really? for the game. Yeah, I mean, mates suddenly go, oh, any chance of getting a couple of tickets? I can't get tickets. Um, but yeah, that's the Ronaldo effect, isn't it? And um, what really excites me is, as I said, Leicester attacking-wise are really exciting at the moment. There's goals in, in the side. They can't keep them out the other end. You could say the same about United, really. You know, attacking-wise, looking good. Probably defensively need a bit of work. Probably need a defensive midfielder. Probably need a Wilfred Ndidi, who's also <laughs> injured for this Saturday. So I can see it all out attack from both sides and uh, plenty of goals. Yeah, you've certainly whet my appetite, Rob, and I'm sure everyone else is as well. Brilliant. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Crossing to enemy lines. Brilliant. <laughs> Di Maria, a lovely change of pace, Rooney, Di Maria has continued his run and Di Maria goes for the finish and that is a sensational goal, absolutely wonderful from the mercurial magician Angel Di Maria. Well credit to some of the Leicester supporters, even they applauded. Can we just go back to that 5-3, I mean forget the scoreline, Angel Di Maria's goal, Andy Mitten, I mean... Falcao, Di Maria, Rooney, Van Persie, all in the team together. I don't care that we lost 5-3. The first 15 minutes were fantastic, weren't they? Yeah, they were brilliant. They also made Louis van Gaal completely change his strategy for Manchester United after that yeah, game. Yeah, shame, really. He just really, thought, yeah. I'm going to lose my job very quickly if we're <laughs> conceding five goals. Yeah, as a neutral, it was a, a staggering game, but I wasn't there as a neutral and I came out the ground and everyone was livid at Louis van Gaal. But that, yeah. that came 14 uh, United had a fantastic pre-season maybe optimism rose too highly and I remember one United staffer uh, saying to uh, Van Gaal in Ann Arbor after uh, United had played Real Madrid done really well in front of 115,000 I think it was thank you Louis you've, you've brought the heart and soul back to this club and Louis looked at him and said thank you I appreciate that and such a comment now seems so out of place because history probably wouldn't agree with that statement no. whatsoever but yeah that, that, that Leicester game will not be forgotten about and I think it was uh, the, the the moment when A. Van Hall decided these th- certain players are not going to play for me again and B. following the aftermatch reaction uh, certain players decided I don't want to play for Louis van Gaal again. I want out of this club. I was working at City that day. It was the day that uh, City played Chelsea and Frank Lampard scored uh, against Chelsea. Uh, and I remember the tangible excitement in the press room at Manchester United's lineup and the start to that game because I think we were all waiting to see those four all on the pitch together. Uh, and for the first 15 minutes, like I was saying before, it went brilliantly. And for the rest of the game, it went slightly less brilliantly, Laurie. But um, 
Yeah, I, I've got nothing but good memories about that game, despite the result. Yeah, I was in the stands that day, and it was it was one of those wow kind of moments. You know, I was covering Leicester at the time, so it was a bit of a weird one. Um, you know, from a professional point of view, but um, that that was the day that the Jamie Vardy start story started in earnest. Yeah, he, he boomed yeah. from that day, really, didn't he? Yeah, never a pen. You know, he fouls Raphael. Uh, for that for that first pen, yeah. but he listened. He, he knew what he was doing. Um, I'm not sure Var would overturn it even now. But um, <laughs> it, what you were saying about the top four as well, the remind, there's a little bit of an echo to now, isn't there? Really, in terms of yeah. look at all the quality that United have got in attack. You know, on paper, how can it actually fit into a functioning unit up top? You know, um, Ronaldo, Cavani, Rashford potentially coming back. Um, Sancho, Pogba, does he play there? Greenwood, I've probably forgotten somebody. Martial, Lingard, you know, and I know perhaps some of those aren't the same stellar level as Rooney, Van Persie, Falcao, Di Maria, you know, were at the time. Um, but it, it feels kind of similar, you know, this is now Solskjaer's challenge to, to get a functioning front line that also balances out with the back. Yeah, it might be Tyler Blackett's chance to get another start <laughs> as well, considering how many issues we've got at centre-back. Anyway. And on that 5-3, that I remember seeing Vardy and didn't know that much about him, thinking, if he can go from Stocksbridge Park Steels, where I've watched my brothers play football... With, with I've that, played on Stocksbridge Park Steels. The little ground with one stand and there's no stands on the other two sides of the pitch because it's built into a mountain near the steelworks <laughs> yeah. in, in Stocksbridge. Slightly windy if from he, memory. If, he, if that lad there can hold his own in a Premier League game, that's that would be absolutely incredible. And I know he'd gone to Halifax and I know people who played with him at Halifax and then he went to Fleetwood as well. I remember people being disgusted at his transfer free from Fleetwood. A million pounds for a non-league player. And he's just proved everybody wrong because not only did he, he hold his own, he's become one of the most notable players in the Premier League in, in, in since. And now he grows broad beans for fun. Fantastic. Right. Laurie, we need to talk about one of your articles that's dropped this week, just finally on the podcast, if possible, please. Uh, people may have seen it already, but there's some fantastic detail in there about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's reign. You've written it alongside Adam Crafton as well. And I think one of the interesting things that I think has come out of it is a bit of detail on Cristiano Ronaldo and the way he's going to be managed after, of course, being left on the bench for that Everton game. But after scoring in both internationals for Portugal, including a hat-trick uh, in his last game against Luxembourg, I don't think he's getting rotated at Leicester, do you? I think he's starting, yeah. Um, it obviously yeah. caused a lot of debate and I think there are... Yeah, I think there were certain players as well that probably thought, you know, why is Ronaldo not starting? Um, we obviously saw the Sir Alex Ferguson uh, comment to Khabib, the UFC fighter afterwards, which was uh, kind of amusing, a real surreal uh, sort of conversation to be having. Um, and also Fergie did rotate players back in the day, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the point on that one was, I think Solskjaer realised that Ronaldo was going to play in these games against Portugal. Now, could he have rested a bit? Could he have taken it easier against Qatar and Luxembourg? You know, not the most taxing of opposition, but, you know, he scored a hat-trick and he, he scored in, in the other game as well. So clearly he's, he's put his, his all into those matches. Um, Solskjaer's balancing that up. He's, you know, Ronaldo's 36. It's a long season ahead. Cavani had come off come off the bench and done so well against Villarreal. I think he thought he deserved a start against Everton. Um, and he, he told Ronaldo in advance of the game, you know, it wasn't like it was, you know, team sheet up and wow, you know, um, what, what's happening here then? Solskjaer does pull players in training before they go out just to say, you know, senior players, if it's a sort of interesting decision that he's, that he's made um, to kind of explain it a little bit. Um, and, and, you know, Ronaldo accepted the decision. So, um, yeah, it'll be... But, 
you know, from this point on, it will be a subject of scrutiny, you know, what happens with Ronaldo because he's such a big player and so many people want to watch him, as, as Rob Tanner mentioned, you know, he's got mates calling him up out of the woodwork saying, you know, any chance of a, a ticket. That's why these decisions by Solskjaer come under such scrutiny because there's more eyeballs on Manchester United than any other club, I would say, and that's, you know, multiplied by the factor of 10 with Ronaldo being in tow now. Um, but yeah, the piece touches on that with a bit more detail. Andy also contributed to it with his um, comments from Nicky Butt in terms of Nicky Butt talking about how Solskjaer delegates, you know, um, and this was one of the other things that we touched on in terms of, you know, Kieran McKenna and Michael Carrick taking training, uh, Mick Phelan being involved in terms of setting the sessions and, and tactical discussions and also recruitment. Um, but Solskjaer, it, it, you know, isn't, a guy that is across everything in the way that he, he wants to be involved in everything. He, he's happy to allow people to flourish, you know, which is obviously what Sir Alex Ferguson used to do. Um, that obviously, that brings its own questions as to whether or not, you know, are the coaches as experienced as, you, as you'd like them to be? There's only one way they're going to get that experience is by coaching, you know, at this level. And people will tell me that, you know, Kieran McKenna's on a trajectory to one day he has the capacity to manage a top six club. Now, that's a huge statement, but the diligence and, and sort of professionalism that he puts into his work, you know, conveys that at the, at the moment. But equally, at the same time, he's not there yet. So that's the, that's that kind of conflict, I suppose, that, that goes on. And listen, whenever results aren't exactly spot on, there's always going to be people sort of wondering, could it be better and why, how could it be better? So that's kind of what the piece addresses. Okay, if you want to know more about that piece, Go to The Athletic, go and read it. Lots of lovely detail in there and intriguing detail about Solskjaer's reign and the way he runs things at Manchester United. But that's it for the podcast. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Rob, as well, for joining us earlier on and giving the lowdown on Leicester. We'll be back on Monday to review that game. Maybe a 5-3 the other way, uh, the way we've previewed it. You never know. But until then, take care and we'll see you on Monday. Bye-bye. The Athletic.